And now, another cup of... The London Fog. Welcome back. I bet you didn't think it was going to happen again this soon. I know, I know. I think people are going to be so surprised that we're actually keeping up. Maybe it's just because it's holiday time and... Though uh, this year, because there's no holiday parties, there's yeah, no way more free time. Than oh yeah. You know, usually we get to this point. I went back and I looked at our podcast and we dropped our first episode July 4th of 2018. Yeah. And I swear for the, I know, right. For at least the last two Christmases that we would put this on, like December was always our rough month because yeah. it's just hard to line up with every weekend and the shopping and the this and that, but because you're like practically still quarantining and not going out as much, we have more time to record. Yeah. Um, and actually it snowed here today. So stop I'm like definitely not leaving my house. Uh. Yeah. I mean, it's just cold and wet. And I mean, it's supposed to have that magical ambiance, but at the same point, it's dirty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like fine for like, I don't know, a few minutes. You're like, oh, how pretty. And then you're like, wait, this sucks. And my dog has to go out. She's going to track all this snow in. (laughs) It's very true. Very true. Well, we are back again and I'm super excited. We're, we're talking romance this time. Well, kind of. Okay. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Did you, I worked really hard to find a romance because everything I kept finding was like, and ends in tragedy. So what are you telling me? Well, okay, here's what happened. So mine is like kind of a romance, but kind of not. So I was like looking up romances and I found this, like there was this movie made about this couple and their love. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect story. Um, and then I was like, oh, well, unfortunately, like, the movie is based on their romance, but if you look them up, it's like all about the husband and like mm. what he's done for the world. Mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. I was like, actually, he's really interesting. So I'm like going to talk about him and their love, but also about him, you know? <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's like, I don't have that much backstory of their love, but it's there. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, the thing that I'm still afraid of, like I said, now that we've been doing this, I mean, this year, we're just going to call this year a scrub. I think we got out a total of like maybe eight episodes because we actually got on a roll there at like the beginning oh, yeah. of the pandemic. That's true. And we did. <laughs> we took like a big long break. Um, so the thing that I'm finding is it's, and this is for everybody else's knowledge. Leah and I save everything on like a Google Doc, like a Google Drive. And once upon a time, we were so organized and would keep notes of what we would do on each oh of these gosh, episodes. Right. We haven't updated that. Right. <laughs> so I was looking at it and I went, okay, well, I don't think we've done this one, but. I, there's always this fear, especially with romances, because I feel like it's not my, my strongest suit. I always fear, feel I'm going to pick something and you have already done it. Well, you know, the other concern is I feel like, you know, we've been doing this for a few years now. Um, like there's so much stuff that we look up and then we just talk about it 
not necessarily yeah. on the podcast. Like, it's like, I'll look at something weird and, like, send it to you on Instagram. And then I'll be like, I wait, know. well, we've talked about this. We need to talk about this. <laughs> exactly. Oh, gosh. So that was, but this is my fear. Say, I don't think that we have such a loyal fan base. No offense to anyone listening. But I just feel like there's no way that they memorize everything we talk about. So if oh, we yeah. don't remember, they don't remember. Because I was actually going to suggest, I was like, oh, well, it's holidays. And we usually do like some sort of holiday tradition episode. And I was like, but I don't know. We've already done two of those. We'll probably repeat what we've said. But then I thought about it. I was like, but no one's going to remember. No one's going to remember. And if we have, if we are repeating things, the thing that gave me comfort was like, well, if Leah has already done this one, this will just be like me doing a refresher and from my point of view. So, you know, <laughs> I don't think we have, but like I said, I think that's going to be my next goal is to go back over our little spreadsheet and to start you know, like actually filling it in. <laughs> actually going back and making sure we're not doing the same thing again. Leap day. Um, actually, though, we did have that one time when we picked the same one and we didn't talk about it. But it would be funny if we did the same thing from different views. Because I feel like we would really focus on different parts of the story. Oh, for sure. Because you're you have more. You like the romantic facts, the cool little quirks. I'm very much the the history connection and where this fits in like a timeline. For some reason, dates, math numbers always gives me like a sense of calm. So anything that I can like just repeat back for some reason, it like soothes my soul. I don't know if anybody out there else out there is like that. I just like, it's like, clean and precise because it's already happened, right? Just deliver the facts. Mm-hmm. Along with, of course, our nonchalant opinions, <laughs> whatever else is happening. Um, but before we start, I, I do have to say, tis the season. And I found, do you know about royal.uk? Like, um, like- I don't know. Do I? <laughs> I just, I, I didn't know about it until this weekend. I started like, I was Googling. I'm trying to get a couple of more. I'm making like some fancy cookie boxes to go and deliver. And I just wanted kind of like a smorgasbord of different cookies. And then Martha Stewart, I think just like, I don't know, whenever this drops, it'll probably be a week ago, a week ago. Um, Martha Stewart put like, hey, here is the recipe for the Royals, one of their favorite cookies at Christmas, which is like a cinnamon spice star cookie. And so I like followed the link, but then it takes you to this royal.uk. Holy moly. Number one, everything from art and history and the events and the ceremonies to the royal family and history about the queen. But if you are interested, there is a whole section dedicated to the culinary workings that go on within Buckingham Palace and the other palaces. And there are recipes. Um, It's amazing. So I've gone down this terrible rabbit hole. Yeah. No, I remember this cookie recipe because I think they released it last year. It was like a picture of like the queen and Prince George and Prince Charles, like making the cookies together or something. Yes. Yeah. I think I think William it's like it. a spice cookie <laughs> that you make like meringue, which meringue is pretty much just uh, like 
soft marshmallow, like you're making your own like marshmallow cream. So that's kind of like the binder inside this cookie, but then you bake it. You then also put that like marshmallow cream or that meringue on the top and then you cut it out with like a star cutter or whatever shape. Um, and then you bake it really low because you're trying to just have the marshmallow on top like set up but not color. And then it slowly like bakes the cookie. So I'm kind of tempted to try it. It seems a little not complicated but also very British which means there is a high possibility I will screw it up. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's like some of these things, it's like, yeah, technically it's not complicated, but it's like finicky. So Yeah. I so, don't I don't know. Like, I, you know, also the problem is you can't get all the, I mean, I don't know about those cookies, but you can't get all the ingredients for like, like if you're trying to make a mince pie or whatever, yeah. it's like, you, you can't get everything in the U.S. It's too much Just work. add treacle. And I'm all like, where the hell am I going to find treacle in the middle of Houston, Texas? There well, actually, is. There is that British shopping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was about to say, the British, like, specialty store over in, like, the Rice Village area, they have it. Um, every once in a while, you can find it at, like, a world market. Uh, but you're totally right. They also just call for things that are very easily accessible in a British grocery store, but this calls for like a dried candy peel paste. So you have, I would have to go and get all of those like different peels and then somehow magically put them into the food processor and add like enough liquid where it would turn into a paste. I don't know. It's just starting to get too complicated. And this is when okay, I'm all like a I, peanut now butter. Now I want you to do it. I think you should do it. You should do an Instagram live on our Instagram <laughs> Just and save it you. so people can go back and watch. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll think about it. I mean, now the more I talk about it, the more I am definitely interested and invested. But um, and you know, we did just talk about how much free time we have this holiday season. Shut <laughs> so your face. Now I feel like you can definitely make this. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, they have everything from your favorite Victoria sponge to fruit scones. And, um, of course, the Cinnamon Star recipe that was published last year, which was super cute because you're right. They all pose, like, for a picture or so. I just love them. <laughs> it's, it's been a sad year because I feel like they've done less outings, but I do appreciate they're still putting little posty posts on that Instagram. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I know we discussed this at the beginning of the year, but uh, the Cambridge's Instagram is just getting so good. <laughs> it is. Truth, truth. I did see the picture I think you posted saying – Mara's future husband um, about the royal family attending the performance of the, what was it? It was like Pantoland or something, which I'm not 100% sure what that is. So I feel like I need to look it up. Um, I think it's some holiday like we talked about it earlier. Like it was an episode that I shared. Like it's kind of like over the top theater, but with like puppetry and lights and costume, but I don't remember what this one is. So I don't remember, but I saw a funny picture that was like 
um, the kids looking pretty bored while they're watching it. And the, <laughs> and the caption was, we risked our lives for this. <laughs> oh, I agree. I also just think we need to start sharing a little bit more about Kate's fashion because I always feel Christmas time, they are just too dang cute of a couple. And her scarf action is, mm, and her coats, because she always wears the perfect color for the winter time. Just, mm, I love her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just feel like it's easy to look amazing when you have that kind of wardrobe budget. Oh, but. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Somebody dressing you, making sure that you're all pulled together or that you're dressed for the right event. How many times, I don't know, Leah seems to be more pulled together than than I am, but how many times have you shown up, truly and honestly, to something and you thought like, hey, this work party was supposed to be like a little dressy and then you show up and everybody's just in like jeans and a t-shirt or what have you. Like they're always just lined up perfectly comfortable, but yet just a slight step above well, everybody else. I was going to say, like you <laughs> – like are a member of the royal family you're never overdressed because even if you accidentally overdressed like people just think you did it because you're royal. it's true <laughs> yeah you're you're ready for whatever occasion comes forward yeah <sighs> okay. Are you, okay are you ready i'm feeling ready i feel like last time i got real on a tangent about the crown so i'm holding back yes none of that <laughs> <laughs> just keeping it in but I think I went first last time. So how okay. about you get us started? Because you also just, the romance department is your department. I'm going to just pray. Not that romantic. Okay, okay. All right. This All right. Is, well, then it's going to be good stories. <laughs> okay. This is a story about Robin Francis Cavendish. Ooh. Um, and so as I was reading about him, Partially, I picked him because there's been a lot of the news about vaccines coming out. And I think that most people don't remember life before vaccines. So I'm going to tell you about it. Maybe. Um, but, okay. So Robin Cavendish, he was um, born in 1930 from Middleton, England. Uh, he was... Um, he was in the military. He attended the Royal Military Academy at Sandhurst. Um, he was part of the King's Rifle Corps. He spent seven years in the army. And he, after he left the army, he started up a business in Kenya. Because, you know, while he was... Because that's the thing you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like, you know, this is like the 1950s. So like right. British army people were spending a lot of time mm -hmm. in Africa. So it was like, oh, I'll just go back to Africa. Like, no big. Um, so he, um, so anyway, he, he founds this tea broking firm in Africa, which I also felt like was appropriate for our podcast. I don't know what a tea brokerage does, but. Into it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, then he's in England. And he meets Diana Blacker in 1956. And um, obviously he falls in love. Um, and he's like, hey, let's get married. And why don't we go back to Kenya? 
she's like, all right, cool. I'd love to go to Kenya. So <laughs> they, they get married in 1957 and they move to Kenya. Um, she's pregnant and he, while she's pregnant, like right before the kid is born, he is playing mm-hmm. tennis. And while he's playing tennis, he falls down and then he wakes up in the night, like, you know, hours later and his arm is aching and he's starting to lose feeling in his limbs. So they rush him to the hospital. And when they get to the hospital, the doctors diagnose him with polio. Oh, yes. I've never heard the story. I'm so intrigued. Yes. So polio is, um, just in case people like, because I feel like everyone's heard of polio, but you might not necessarily know what it does. Um, so it is, it basically, it affects your central nervous system and you get muscle weakness and paralysis. It happens really fast, like a few hours to a few days. Um, mostly it involves your legs, um, sometimes other parts of your body, um, some people recover, some people get so bad that they die, like, you know, um, anyway, it's at one point before vaccinations got rid of it, it was really horrible. Um, lots of people were getting it. It, um, if you're infected, you can spread the disease for up to six weeks, even if you have no symptoms. So that was part of like why it was spreading. And, um, anyway, so I actually knew someone who had polio, in Taiwan when I was a kid. Really? And so she, it just affected her leg. And so she was just in crutches her whole life. Um, but, but yeah, like I said, it usually affects your legs. Um, but now people don't have to worry about it because. Yeah. God bless. Yes. Eradicated. I know. Um, <laughs> Modern medicine. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, yes. what a terrifying, debilitating disease that we don't have to worry about anymore. Yeah. Crazy. So, so yeah, so he gets it. He's in the hospital. Um, and he, so there's like different, like I said, it mostly affects your limbs. If it's really chronic, it leaves you unable to breathe, which is like mm-hmm. what will kill you. Mm-hmm. So he is in the hospital. They put him on an iron lung, which is a negative pressure ventilator to keep him alive. Um, but which it was, this was just like the worst time for him to get polio, right? Because it was mostly wiped out. Like this was like the time when everyone was getting the vaccine or whatever, but he just happened to like have not gotten it yet or something. So like he, or maybe he was an anti-vax person anyway, but, um, <laughs> but he, I so, work. yeah. So he um, was really unlucky in that way, but he was lucky in that this, um, respirators had been invented and they'd actually just started to invent respirators, which you could set up in your home and not at the hospital. Um, but anyway, so when he's in the hospital, they're telling him like, you've got like three months to live. There's no way. And so he's like super depressed while he's in the hospital, his son is born, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. And he suggests to Diana, he's like, you know what? Just turn off this respirator. Like, I don't want you to be stuck spending the rest of your life with an incapacitated husband. I can't walk. I can't breathe on my own. Like, just yeah. turn it off oh. and go live your life. So but, 
what about what year is this? I'm just curious because I'm wondering when did a respirator come around? <laughs> the, uh, this is 1959. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so Diane, but this is like, like it's like respirators are still like really clunky. It's not like yeah, 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 yeah. not so, like today. <laughs> yeah. Which even now they still suck. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it sucks to be on one. But he, um, but Diana was like, no, no, no. I want you to live. I want you to live. So anyway, he's in this hospital this whole time. And, you know, they'd said three months, three months pass, six months pass. Finally, he's in the hospital for a year. And after a year in the hospital, which they said that that was never going to happen, right? <laughs> um, right. He, he's like, you know what? I'm, I need to leave the hospital. And the doctors are like, no, no, no. If you leave the hospital, like, you're definitely going to die. Like, we don't know how you stayed alive this long, but if you leave the hospital, you're definitely going to die. And he's like, no, I want, I want to live, like live my life. Even if I spend like a week outside the hospital, like I'll be with my wife, I'll be with my son, you know, that's what I want to do. So he leaves the hospital. Um, and like he had like a home respirator and he's at home. He's hanging out with his son. I mean, you know, he's still not like mobile or anything, but he sees his son like scooting around on his toy and he's like, wait, like my son is like hanging out on these wheels, like, you know, and he's getting around, like I should be able to do that. So he has this friend named Teddy Hall, who is a, um, Oxford university professor, um, scooter maker. I mean, basically, (laughs) He helps to develop a wheelchair with a built-in respirator. Oh. Yeah. And so he, um, so he helps his buddy like build this wheelchair with the built-in respirator and he's finally able to leave his bed. So. Wow. Yeah. And so they, after this he's like wow this is amazing like I'm gonna live my life to its fullest like I can leave the house he and Diana go on like um trips to like they're in England you know but they go on trips to France they like you know they do all this traveling they build a special van to make it easier for him to get around and like you know they're like living their life to the fullest and he's like I want to help everyone else like I need to make sure that other people also, you know, with my problem, like with polio or anything, can live their life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. So him and his friend, Paul, they raise money from benefactors across the country. They persuade the government to help fund the manufacturer or help fund manufacturing of like special wheelchairs with um, respirators so that other people can use it. Um, they, amazing. I mean, yeah, like they do all sorts of amazing things. He, um, funds a, uh, like a holiday home for the disabled. Um, he's like given an award from the queen for all his work for the disabled. Um, and basically he's just kind of like an inspiration to everyone, like him and his friend just continually improve like the wheelchairs with the respirators. They work on things that like allow people to um, use the telephone or turn on a TV or like 
turn on the heater or stuff just by moving your head. Like they just mm-hmm. are like developing all these things to help people who have disabilities and he's testing them on himself, like to make sure everything works. Um, and basically like, I don't know, basically he's just amazing. Him and Diana just do amazing things with their life. Um, in an obituary, in his obituary. So he finally dies August 8th, 1994 at the age of 64. He's one of the longest living polio survivors in Great Britain. Um, no, but like he outlived some of the doctors who said that he was only going to live for three months. Yeah. Um, and he's, uh, there's a quote from his, um, from his obituary that says, to know Robin Cavendish was to know the personification of courage. Many people achieve moments of great courage. Few are called on to show it continuously for 36 years. So, mm-hmm. yeah, That's when sweet. he, yeah, because when he was diagnosed with polio, he was only 28. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he, um, after his death, Diana and his son and his son's wife, um, create a memorial fund that becomes a charity which provides holiday breaks for people with severe disabilities um and you know he's given Mm -hmm. he's given his wife so diana's still alive um she's continuing to work on like (laughs) advocating for disabled people in the uk and wait she's still alive now 2020 yeah I mean, she's in her 80s. I mean, of course. She's like, oh, I just kind of, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So just a few years ago in 2017, so his son, Jonathan, is a film producer. And um, so. Come on. I'm sorry. I Coming from the, you know, musician, you know, dad, you know, is this medical person and son's all like, you know what? I'm just going to go into the arts. (laughs) Well, actually, he produced some of my favorite films, the British oh. Jones, Bridget Jones films. <gasps> he did not. Yeah. I take it all back. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And so he went to um, the writer, William Nicholson, who's a screenwriter and playwright. He's been nominated for multiple Oscars. And he went to him. And he was like, hey, I want to, like, tell you the story of my mom and dad. Like, would you, um, you know, like, I think you're a great writer. I, I really, your films have really inspired me. Like, he's the one who wrote um, that Elizabeth, The Golden Age. Oh, yeah. Um, he wrote Gladiator. He wrote um, the Mandela of Nelson Mandela. Um, yeah so anyway so he goes to him and he's like I really want you to write this story about my parents life um but I don't I like I you know you're such a great writer it's so expensive I don't have like a company backing me yet for this movie so like when I get backing will you write this for me and William Nicholson was like no 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 like I don't want I don't want you to have to like get someone to back this and then somebody else will own your mom and dad's story. Like mm-hmm. you, your mom's still alive. I want her to own her own story. I'm going to write this movie for you. And like <gasps> you pay me after 
after it's made. Like if it makes money, what? then you pay me. So he wrote, so he wrote the screenplay for them. Um, so this movie came out in 2017. It's called Breathe. Um, it was directed by Andy Serkis, who was the guy. I guess it was his first directing movie. I'm only bringing this up because he was the voice of Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yes, yes. I know this actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he directed it. William Nicholson did the screenplay. Um, and this all, this all is coming back around, which is why I'm bringing it up. Claire Foy, who... <gasps> As plays we the queen. all know, as a queen. Um, plays Diana. Yes. <gasps> oh. She plays Diana. Andrew Garfield plays Robin Cavendish. Hugh Bonneville is in it. Uh, who who is Lord Grantham? I know, right? It's like, how do we not know about this movie? I know. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh! I definitely just took a note in my phone. Breathe. Going to look this up. It sounds yeah. so good. Yeah, so, like, the movie, you know, is about – so that's what I was saying is, like, if you want more of the love story, I think that the movie focuses more on their love story, but also mm-hmm. about, like, all the amazing stuff that they did. Um, so to, if you want to mo- learn more, I definitely recommend you looking it up. Um, I I don't know if it, like okay. – like, it seems like it had pretty good reviews, um, but I guess maybe they just didn't have the, like – like they like it was released at a bunch of film festivals, but I don't know if it really had like a big release, you know. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Anyway, so that's the story of Robin Cavendish and Diana Cavendish, and that's the movie you should look up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wow, good one. Mm-hmm. Well done. <laughs> I appreciate. Well, um, once again, I always feel like there's some string that always connects your story and my story, no matter what we kind of do. Cause I know we're doing romances and that's always like the string that we hope has some semblance between the two, but mine also has to do with some illness as well. You know, where is, where is a good romance without a little bit of a, you know, tragic little illness. Bit of, yeah, <laughs> tragic illness. Um, so, and I believe we haven't done it, but like I said, I always get so fearful that we have. So I am doing George the Fifth and Mary of Tech. I don't think we have. Okay. Okay. I did reread as many as I could of our romances and I went, I don't think we have, but I think you and I offline have talked about this before. And so that's where, especially when you and I sat many moons ago and tried to go up the chain of the Windsors and kind of remember who is married to who and who came from who. And anyway, we definitely stumbled across them. I mean, like so. we've mentioned them for sure. Yes. But I mean, how could we not? Their granddaughter was, is Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> exactly. So this is George V and Mary of Tech and kind of focusing a little bit more towards, um, later in their life, uh, instead of, you know, birth and this and that. But, um, to start there, uh, George V's full name is George Frederick Ernest Albert. So many names, uh, was born June 3rd of 1865. Well, Mary of Tech was born Victoria, Mary, Augusta, Louise, Olga, Pauline, Claudine, Agnes. Even more <laughs> Yes. Uh, it's a true story. It's like, 
just like too confused to even. Yeah, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight names. Um, was born May 26 of 1867. So they're roughly the same age. Um, George is just two years older than Mary. And uh, our story begins actually with more of Mary. Mary was a very accomplished young woman. She was slightly outspoken, had a lot of fire behind her, but she is uh, related to Queen Victoria by being a cousin once remo- removed. So uh, to Albert, uh, well, Prince Albert, and to George, she would be their second cousin. So George is the second son, uh, and his older brother is Prince Albert to his father, Edward Seventh, And... They meet many years later, but it is because Queen Victoria knows of Mary. She's a cousin. When she gets debuted at court, she is found, number one, very attractive, but also just full of wit, politics, the whole gambit that you'd want in in a woman that you are going to marry. And seeing that this was early enough in, in time that marrying even a first cousin, let alone a second cousin, a second cousin was practically a stranger. So, (laughs) so, and it's, it's nice because she is the only person that is still considered a princess in the English Royal court, not an outsider, uh, but also not a blood relative of the royal family. So she's pretty high up there as she will marry very well. Mm-hmm. So Queen Victoria is very interested in her. They, it's said that Mary uh, introduces herself and she goes by May and Victoria thinks she's wonderful. So she first is set up to meet George's older brother, Prince Albert. Ah. Yes, they start courting and all is well. She and him have much in common, uh, especially talking politically one with another. And he decides that, yes, this is the girl for him. And she, they're both in love. It's beautiful. They're both in love. So Prince Albert and may become engaged at this time it was relevant that the whole family her and her parents would move into the palace so that they would get to know both sides of the family better and grow closer connected of course she's spending time with queen victoria all of their albert all of their children um which included george uh we're we're about The year is 1889, and there is a, you guessed it, a pandemic breaks loose. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know, right? Just ruining everybody's lives. (laughs) From the test of time. Um, So a a pandemic breaks loose, uh, and it goes throughout the United Kingdom, but I mean pandemic, it goes throughout many countries. So we have influenza running kind of rampant and it does run through the palace halls and the person, everybody gets struck by it to some degree. Um, Haven't we all Um, (laughs) get struck by it by some degree, but the one that takes the hardest hit is Albert Prince Albert, the betrothal 
for, for May. So they grow closer, of course, while he is sick, just trying to bear one another up. And she spends many hours across a bed from George as they lay there, you know, as Albert lays there trying to recover, but he's slowly slipping more and more into his, um, into his illness. He passes and they are only less than three months away from what was to be their wedding day. Obviously this is gut wrenching and so hard. The country sees it and is disappointed of course, and was looking at them as a young couple that was going to bring kind of a happy note amongst all of the crap that is going on during this time. Mm. The family is still living in the palace. Obviously now they're no longer betrothed. They would move out, but Queen Victoria says, just stay a minute. Number one, we're in the middle of an illness crisis and you have just lost the man you, you were about to marry. Um, Victoria though also kind of goes, but May is still an amazing girl and I've got loads of kids. So we're just going to have her recover her little heart here and we'll pick up and keep going. So obviously with Albert and George being so close in age and uh, George becomes now the next in line for the throne. And for Mary. <laughs> and for Mary. So they find solace in one another. It is to be said that George was very, very quiet and reserved and pulled back uh, after his brother's passing. It hit him very hard. And obviously it hit Mary hard. Um, they find solace in one another and start to open up to one another. Time passes by and they start to kind of bring a lot more peace and joy one to another. So we're not surprised to hear about a little over a year later after Albert's passing that George has now proposed to Mary and she has accepted. Mm -hmm. And I know, right? <laughs> the brother <laughs> dies, they get together. So, okay. But do you feel like back then, I feel like that used to happen all the time. Like, oh yeah, you would just like marry the brother or marry the sister. It's mm -hmm. like, oh well, they're they're about the same. <laughs> well, especially it's because weddings and and marriages, especially the marriage was it it wasn't always it certainly at this time was not about love. It was really about connecting the families. And Mary was a, a hot commodity and ticket, though she didn't run around bearing the title of Princess Royal all the time. She was a princess and was English born and but far enough off the the bloodline that she was an eligible princess to be married. So it was truly an English royal wedding and not marrying in another outsider. And I keep using that word just because that becomes very important here in a few more years because slowly there becomes more civil unrest by the English people. They're getting really tired of, okay, now I married this Austrian princess and they're going to come in and rule my, my country. So this was winning on all ends. Number one, not only is she a a fun, educated, attractive, sensible woman um, who certainly is well-educated, well-grounded, but she also is just English, which people loved. So by the time George proposes, 
the people are slowly, we're coming out of this pandemic. We're slowly starting to see some like healing hearts and people are now really excited about this wedding. So they are married July 6th of 1893. It was supposedly a beautiful wedding that uh, many people lined the streets to see them. They uh, flew flags. It also was just in celebration of the uh, end of kind of this pandemic that had certainly brought a lot of turmoil to, to the country. So they were married wonderfully in the chapel Royal in St. James palace. And from there throughout their lives, they remain devoted to each other. Um, George has said uh, he was at this time, obviously writing letters and keeping diaries was very in fashion. So we still have a lot of the the love letters that he sent Mary, but also his own, uh, his own journal. And he, ex- he had a hard time expressing his feelings in speech. So he would write it out and it's, they just grew so connected one with another. So we're at the, now within a few years, they're into the beginning, um, turn of the century. And we are starting to have a little bit more, uh, country patriotism. And we're also just seeing kind of an up, an uprising against the very strong Germanic culture that still remains in England, seeing that things are starting to get a little unruly over in Germany as we're anticipating within the next 10 to 15 years, the first world war. Mm. So after we have, um, Queen Victoria died, his father takes over Edward the seventh He passes on June 27th of 1911. We have the coronation of um, King George V. And Mary reigns at his side as queen consort. And at that time, with so much going on in the country, they have grown closer together, but decide World War I has begun Things are very um, heavy politically within the country. So they decide all this time they've been of the the house, Saxe, Coburg, and uh, and Gotha, and decide it's time to go. We are English. We are we are an English king and queen. We are going to give our country the identity that they they want, deserve, and they did it hand in hand. So that is the first time in 1917 that we finally get the house name of Windsor. Yay. So they, they celebrate it. Everybody changes their name, of course. And that is where that tree branch begins. It's time to no longer have this, you know, branching out tree limbs all over the world and start to just have more of this UK identity and they they do it wonderfully. People celebrate the change. They they see them as an epitome of strength and what is truly British, a bond that cannot be uh, shaken between the two of them. They travel. We have World War One. Towards the end of World War One, 
George had been a Royal Navy man. He goes to kind of con on horseback over to France, obviously didn't cross the channel on a horse, but you know, um, he goes to assess all that's been, that has gone on with world war one with how much, um, smoke and debris his lungs had been weakened back when he had the influenza spread through about, you know, 25 years before. And, um, he falls ill and Mary stays by his side the entire time, letting no other nurse treat him. She treats him and he does get better. Um, they continue to rule on, they put back together kind of this broken, broken nation after, uh, not a nation, but a broken country after such a, after such a war. He reigns until he's 70 and passes January 20th of 1936, which of course leaves uh, Mary a bit devastated, but she's, she's a strong woman. And she's like, don't you have another brother? No, just kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me find your other brother. No, this is where we have, you know, um, who would it be? Edward VIII that comes and only re uh, reigns for two years because he decides I'm going to go and marry Wallace, who you have spoken about. Um, and so that's where they, they all fit in. And just an interesting fact, at one point in time, there were more queens alive than anybody else. So <laughs> there was a time that when the queen before her, she was alive and Elizabeth the first or second had been coronated. So we had three living queens or queen consorts living all at the same time. It didn't last very long. I know, but <laughs> all at the same time. Very cool fact that there had been that many of them living at the same time. Um, Mary did finally pass away on uh, March 24th, 1953. She was 85 years old, so she lived about a decade past uh, George V, and they are remembered as a very strong couple who gave the UK and Britain a lot of their identity. And we are grateful that they gave us the house of Windsor. And that yeah, is my are. romance. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Super grateful. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yes. I love that. We just decided to go with this theme. Of course, we're trying to kind of figure out a little bit more semblance and what we're going to be doing. Of course, we are not making any promises when we go back because that is always our downfall. No, never make promises. But I am hopeful. Maybe we will have a, you know, a Christmas episode. I'm, well, I'm whispering it because I'm scared well, if I say what? it out loud, it won't happen. This is what I have to say. Our main priority is for you to make cookies. So, okay. You know, if we have to not record just so that we could get that Instagram live, then exactly. we do what we have to do. All right. All right. So, I will see what yes. I can do. But everybody, if you want to, you know, bombard Kate with some messages about why she isn't making those cookies yet, um, our Instagram <laughs> is, can be found at um, the London Fog Podcast. Um, if you send messages there, both of us will see it. But if I happen to see it first, I will annoyingly send it to Kate. Personally. It's also true. So, um, 
We're really excited about it. We have more things in the works. Amazing things. Amazing things. <laughs> oh, wait, but no promises we said. So. Oh, yeah, but no promises. Pot- potentially amazing things. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, All right. thanks for listening. And, and we will be back sometime. Someday. You'll hear from <laughs> us soon, one, maybe, one or in six months. Cheers. Yep. <laughs> All right. Cheers, guys. 